Welcome to Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Remember, it is Die Hard Night free episode for anyone who is alive. The last time the Indian won a pennant. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Discussing and debating the iconic and the forgotten of 80s and 90s pop culture with your co-hosts, James D. Graves and Jason Colvin. All right, D, let's go. We're going to announce my presence with authority and I'm going to breathe through my eyelids the entire podcast. Announce your, announce your what? <laughs> announce your effing presence with authority? Show my heat. Hang on, everybody. Hang on a sec. Hey, D, yeah. let me help you with it. Rose goes in the front, big guy. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, we're here to talk about two of the best baseball movies of the 80s, Bull Durham and Major League. We're so excited. I am a former high school baseball player. And when I was in high school, man, we quoted these movies all the time. Locker uh, room, bench, no. during the game. I am a former Little League baseball player. And <laughs> so, Jason, you will be our resident baseball expert for this episode. Well, that sounds good. I am a big baseball fan. I love the major leagues. I grew up watching minor league baseball in my hometown. So baseball has always been a huge part of my life and I love these movies. So very excited to talk to these with you. Well, I've, you know, I don't want to sell myself too short. I've coached little league for my boys. We won the entire season for our T-ball team for, for one of my boys, but yeah, let's roll on this. Got Major League and Bull Durham. Let's talk about when those movies came out. So Bull Durham was released June 15th, 1988. And then not quite a year later, Major League was released April 7th, 1989. Right. So Jason, which one of these movies is your favorite? Are we can tell it right now. I don't know the answer to this question. They're both so freaking good. I can't, I, I still don't know the answer. <laughs> They're both awesome. They're both extremely quotable. I think they both have a lot to, to offer, but I'm going to hold my opinion until the very end. Yeah, I'm going to have to because I just still don't know the answer on this one. I will tell you this though. I will tell you this. Sports Illustrated ranked Bull Durham as the number one sports movie of all time. So let's start with Bull Durham. Okay, we'll start with Bull Durham. So Bull Durham was written and directed by Ron Shelton. Mm -hmm. Ron was a minor league baseball player himself, played from 67 to 71 for the Baltimore Orioles farm team, played second base. He's written several other movies, but he got together with Kurt Russell, who some of you may not know was also a minor league ball player. He would, he'd go shoot movies and then he'd go play ball and people at the ballpark were like, hey man, you know, you're not really focusing on baseball. And he was like, yeah, you're right. I guess I'll go make lots and lots of movies. You know, th that really blows my mind because Kurt Russell is a full-blown movie star. I mean, we know yep. who this guy is, but he was also a professional baseball player, but he's been an actor since he was very young. I mean, yeah, he, was, he made he, Disney movies and stuff. In the, yeah, kid movies, the computer wore tennis shoes, right? Right. So have you seen the documentary that he did about, it was called The Battered Bastards of Baseball? No, I haven't even heard of it. Okay, so his dad, Bing Russell, who was also an actor, he was in Bonanza and some other stuff, but he owned a minor league team called the Portland Mavericks. And there's been a documentary that's come out in the last couple of years about that team, and it is awesome. I love it. You need to check it out. Okay, cool. I may not, I may not be a sports guy, but I am a sports movie guy. And this one, I mean, it's just, it's, it's great. Bing Russell is a character. I like it. I think you'd really enjoy it. So anyway, Ron okay. Shelton. 
Bull Durham, right? So Ron and Kurt Russell get together and they put together this script based kind of on both of their experiences as uh, minor league baseball players. And it was intended that Kurt Russell was going to play the part of Crash Davis. Yeah. And they said he went out of town for a few days. And when he came back, Ron had given that part to Kevin Costner. (laughs) Kevin Costner actually had talked to Ron Shelton. This is before Kevin Costner was a household name, right? So they shot this in 1987. The Untouchables was released in 87. That's what kind of ramped him up. Untouchables and No Way Out. Right. So Kevin Costner was like, hey, listen, I, I played baseball in high school. I-, I love baseball. In fact, let me show you. And so he dragged Ron Shelton to the batting cages and just wanted to demonstrate to him, look, I can play a little bit. You know, I wasn't in the big time, but I can hit. Yeah. He switch hits during the uh, movie. I don't know if you noticed that, but Kurt was known for being a solid hitter. Wasn't that great in the field because he he spent time making movies instead of practicing, but he was a switch hitter <laughs> as well. So it's just kind of weird. I, I can I, I think this movie might have done as well with Kurt Russell as the character, but at this point, Kevin Costner's locked into my memory as, as Crash Davis. Well, Kevin Costner does knock it out of the park as yeah. Crash Davis, but I mean, you're right. I think Kurt Russell, first of all, he could look like a baseball player, which is huge. Before we really go any further, Ron Shelton makes this point. Most actors want to be athletes, but can't, and they can't even pretend to be athletes. Right. But Kevin Costner and Kurt Russell were the only two guys that he found that he felt like could pull off visually what a baseball player looks like. I mean, I've got a list of guys that were considered for this role. Uh Uh-huh. Should we go through this list? This is an incredible list. Sure, go for it. Considered was Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, Don Johnson, Jeff Bridges, Nick Nolte, and even for a brief moment, Bruce Willis with Sybil Shepard as Annie Savoy was considered. Yeah, that's funny because they were still full on moonlighting at that point. They were full on moonlighting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Nick Nolte, he had been in the football movie earlier, so was obviously an athlete, but just he didn't like baseball. Well, I'm glad he didn't take it then. (laughs) You know, this movie, I think, opened the door for a lot of baseball movies. It was kind of this that led into Eight Men Out and Major League and A League of Their Own. A lot of those. Right, for sure. In fact, at this time, when he was pitching this to the studios, sports movies in general were kind of known to be not great moneymakers. But baseball movies, I mean, you think before this movie, there was kind of a run on baseball movies in the late 80s. But before this, I mean, we're talking about like the Bad News Bears was the last reasonably made baseball movie. So yeah, which is a fantastic movie, by the way. Come on, Buttercrud. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so it opens the door to other movies, including our other movie, which is Major League. Major mm-hmm. League was written and directed by David Ward. Now, David Ward had come into Hollywood. He had been teaching like screenwriting at a college level and then sold a script called The Sting and mm-hmm. it ended up winning Best Screenplay. So it opened a lot of doors for him, but then he didn't do so well after that. And this one he had been pitching this movie since 1982 and couldn't get anybody to bite on it because like you said sports movies weren't doing anything and then Bull Durham comes along everybody falls in love with it and now Major League gets the green light I think it's really cool David Ward was a Cleveland Indians fan yeah he was fulfilling his own fantasy of seeing the Cleveland Indians win the pennant yeah he's he said he thought the only <laughs> he said he thought the only way he was ever going to see them win is if he put it in a movie <laughs> <laughs> yep Cleveland City of Light City of Magic 
at that time, I mean, they were the dregs of the league. And it's Cleveland is such a major part of this movie. And I love that they start the movie out with Burn On by Randy Newman, which is about the Cuyahoga River starting on fire because there was so much pollution <laughs> on top of it. Cleveland, even now I can remember. So I don't know if you know this, but this is sort of based on a story of a real guy named Calvin Griffith who owned the Minnesota Twins. And he's infamous and famous for a lot of things. Billy Martin was his manager that he both hired and then fired later on. Um, (laughs) But he had this deal when they moved into the Metrodome in 82. Part of the lease that he had done was if the attendance averages less than 1.4 million people each year for a period of three years, they're released from their lease, and he was legitimately looking at Tampa Bay. Right. Florida was held out as this wonderful destination for Major League Baseball to come. So he threw out a bunch of scrubs and intentionally tried to make the attendance go below 1.4 million. And and it worked. But he ended up selling to another group anyway. But this was the last family-owned Major League Baseball team. He was the last of the family-owned Major League Baseball. Wow. So As you mentioned, David Ward, he grew up in South Euclid, which is just a suburb of Cleveland, and this was a labor of love for him. And so he had done the sting, he had fallen out of favor with some bad projects, and then did some work with Robert Redford, and once Bull Durham was a success he was able to get his movie made. I love the fact that even though Cleveland does play a major part in this, it really wasn't filmed in Cleveland. Oh yeah, no, they filmed almost all of it in Milwaukee. They had to move to Milwaukee for the baseball shots because the Cleveland Browns were playing their preseason games and they couldn't tear up the field. And all you see baseball-wise is is filmed in Milwaukee. Shall we move on to the oversimplified plot? Yeah. Do you want to go first on Bull Durham? Yeah. Okay, the oversimplified plot of Bull Durham. Young, upcoming, hard-throwing, wild pitcher, Ebby Calvin, Nuclelouche, is in the Durham Bulls minor leagues. He's wild, but extremely talented, and he needs somebody to guide him. So management decides, let's get this veteran catcher that we think is really smart. His name is Crash Davis. Let's buy out his contract in AAA, bring him down to A-ball so he can guide and direct this young, talented pitcher. Meanwhile, Annie Savoy the town baseball groupie takes it upon herself to guide and direct a young prospect every season to get them to the major leagues. So Crash and Annie have the same task at getting Nuke ready for the major leagues. And by the way, do you know do you know what a baseball groupie is called? An Annie. Okay, oversimplified plot for major league. Former Las Vegas showgirl Rachel Phelps inherits the Cleveland Indians baseball team from her deceased husband. She is intent on getting the team moved from Cleveland down to Florida, but when told that there's no way that the city will release her from the lease, she shows the general manager a clause that says if the attendance is bad enough and they perform badly enough, they will be released from their lease. She then commences to put together one of the worst teams imaginable. This guy's dead. Cross him off the list. (laughs) (laughs) She puts together a team of horrible players, including pitcher Ricky Vaughn, catcher Jake Taylor, who's playing for the Mexican League, manager Lou Brown, who she's brought up from the minor leagues, Pedro Serrano, who cannot hit a curveball, pitcher Eddie Harris, who is beyond his time. The team performs poorly, but not poorly enough for Rachel Phelps, who then begins to take away many of the team's amenities, including whirlpool baths and planes. 
trained, eventually the team is too fed up and is losing games. But at this point, the general manager informs the manager of Rachel Phelps's plan, who then informs the team, who then decides to win the whole effing thing. <laughs> the Indians then, against all odds, begin to win. All the while, Jake Taylor tries to rekindle his romance with his ex-love, Lynn, and the Cleveland Indians go on to win the pennant. Yeah, that's such a it's such a good movie. I, I love this movie. Okay, Jason, let's compare the rosters for each of these teams. Okay, that sounds good. All right, so Crash Davis is the main character from Bull Durham. He's Kevin Costner's character, and he was actually named after a real person, Lawrence Crash Davis. I don't know if you know this story or not, but uh, he was kind of scouring the old magazines of baseball players, came across this name and, and loved it, assumed that the guy was dead because it was an <laughs> old magazine. Yeah, he played from he played actually for the Durham Bulls from 1946 to 1952. And then uh, found out later the guy was very much alive. And so they were really trying to kind of wanted him to let them use his name. He came to the first day of filming and he said, how you doing? I'm Crash Davis. And he said, I only have one question for you. Do I end up with the girl at the end? And he said, yes, you do. He said, great. You can use my name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the real Crash Davis actually ended up being in another movie, Ron Shelton's later on called Cobb. The character of Crash Davis was modeled after William Holden's character from the Wild Bunch. He wanted yeah. him to be like a a modern day gunslinger moving right. from town to town. He has no family. He's got no home. He just goes where the money is and that's, he's just a hired gun. Right. So for major league, our catcher is Jake Taylor played by Tom Berenger. He's based on Carlton Fisk. You know, they mentioned that Jake Taylor is an all-star in Boston, but Jake has come from the Mexican League and has one of the best introductory shots, I think. Uh, I love how, what he says. He gets the phone call. Hey, Jake, this is uh, the Cleveland Indians. He's like, is that you, Tolbert? <laughs> how funny, you know, I'm hungover. At least you could have pretended it was the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to Bull Durham. So we have our pitcher, Ebby Calvin Nuke Lelouch. Did you know that he was named after a waiter? Yeah, I heard this story. Yeah, so Ron Shelton was eating at a restaurant, and the guy came up to him and said, "Hi, how you doing? I'm Ebby Calvin Larouche, but you can call me Nuke." So he's played by Tim Robbins. They actually, Ron Shelton had to go to bat for Tim Robbins. Right. Uh, the studio did not want him at all. Did you know that Charlie Sheen was actually considered for this part as well? I, I did see that. Yes. Yeah. But he'd already been hired to play in Eight Men Out. But the studio really wanted Anthony Michael Hall. Right. Yeah, that's right. Which, man, that would have been that would have been wrong yeah. on several levels. In case you may not remember who Anthony Michael Hall is, uh, he is the nerd from The Breakfast Club. I mean, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who right. he is. But. Or the nerd from 16 Candles or the <laughs> nerd from Weird Science. Weird Science. Yeah. You know, he played in the movie called Johnny Be Good, where he was a football player. He did okay in that. He did okay right. in that. Not but that anyway, bad. he arrived to the meeting with Ron Shelton 30 minutes late and had not read the script. Ooh. The producer said he thought Ron Shelton was going to kill him right then. Yeah. So he, so they put it off till the next day. And when he arrived, he had only read half of the script. <laughs> and so they chased him off and said, forget you. This yeah. is not happening. Forget. That's what they said. Yeah. So Charlie Sheen was also considered, also considered David Duchovny. Again, that doesn't, that wouldn't be right. For a guy to be named Calvin Nuke Lelouch, he has to be 6'5 and all kinds of lanky. Right. And I mean, Tim Robbins is six foot five and pitchers are generally tall and long, you know? Yeah. What I mean? 
Yeah, and David Duchovny is not tall and long. I did. I, I found something out about this character, Nuklelouch. This character is based on a real person, Steve Dalkowski. So this guy played in the late 50s. Ron Shelton's former manager, Joe Altabelli, was ordered to help Steve Dalkowski get ready for the big leagues. His nickname was White Lightning, okay? This guy, basically it's agreed upon that he threw between 100 and 110. They didn't have radar guns back then. Yeah, right. No radar. Cal Ripken Sr., he has said publicly that he thinks the guy may have hit 115. Arondis Chapman, who is an active Major League Baseball player, he can he throws 100, 405. I mean, that is a different gear. I mean, when you if you play, ever played baseball, when you get into the 90s, that's super smoke. You get in the yeah. upper 90s, and that's ridiculous heat. 110 yeah. is unhittable. I mean, it's yeah, it- unbelievably fast. Right. In the time that they have been recording the speed of pitches with radar guns, there has never been a pitch faster than 106 miles an hour. Right. Like Nolan Ryan was like 100. But anyway, Dalkowski is this guy. I mean, there's all kinds of lore with him. Dalkowski struck out more batters and walked more batters than any professional pitcher in history. Okay, so we were talking about how the studio did not want Tim Robbins as their nuke. They really wanted Anthony Michael Hall. Ron Shelton finally just said, no, I've got to have this guy. I really want Tim Robbins. And the studio's response to that was, the audience will not believe that a guy like him would be with a woman like Susan Sarandon. (laughs) Right? She's too high class. She's too pretty for him and all that. Well, as it turns out, they have this little romance. They were together for over 20 years. The the actual actors, yeah. That yeah, Susan yeah. Sarandon and Tim Robbins got together because of this movie. They have three kids, and Ron Shelton's actually the, the godfather of their firstborn child, which is a really <laughs> cool story, right? Uh, that's awesome. Okay, so pitching for the Cleveland Indians is Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn. I love hey, this guy. Yeah, man, that's, I, I tell you, it's got to be one of the most memorable scenes. I remember seeing this one in the theater, and when he walks out for that final game and comes out with the glasses on, yep, this is the coolest guy in the world. <laughs> when the owner of the team, Rachel yep. Phelps, she's like, I hate this effing song. Right, right. So he's played He's played by Charlie Sheen, who had actually played high school ball and had been offered to play for, I believe it was University of Kansas. Is that right? Yeah, Kansas Jayhawks. That's right. And obviously he went on to be an actor, was in several movies, including Eight Men Out, and then some of our favorites like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and then kind of gained some renown in the last 10 years for being a drug freak. He's been in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Right. He was in Platoon. He was in Young Guns, Minute Work, yeah. Winning. Um, <laughs> winning. <laughs> and speaking um, of drugs, he admitted later on that he actually took steroids to prepare for this role and increased the speed of his fastball from 70-something up to about 85. But he's actually based on a real-life person. Did you see this? Yeah, he's based on Ryan Duran. Ryan Duran is known for his blazing fastball and terrible eyesight. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I asked my dad about this because my dad is a baseball player. And first thing he said was, oh, yeah, man, he threw really hard, but he had glasses the size of Coke bottles. (laughs) Let's talk about the manager, Skip, played by Trey Wilson, who was also in one of my favorite movies called 
Raising Arizona. Played Nathan Arizona in that movie. I love that guy. He was, we lost him too soon. He, he died just a few months, like nine months after this movie came out at the age of 40, I think. Yeah, he had a cerebral hemorrhage and died. For me, he is the manager in Bull Durham, but you're right. In Raising Arizona, he has one of the funniest lines of the entire movie when they're like, could you describe what the child is wearing? And he's like, I don't know. It was jammies. They had Yodas and on them, you know. Great. You, isn't it true that your real name is Nathan Huffines? Did you, <laughs> would you buy furniture from a place called Painted Huffines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does He does the, uh, the managerial job in this and is super funny. Yeah, he's hilarious. And his he's great. Both of the managers in both of these movies are awesome, but it's a totally different part. His manager is this, I don't know what to do, the kind of forlorn, uh, please help me, I just can't deal with this kind of guy. Whereas in Major League, if we're ready to move on to that, we've got Lou Brown, played by James Gammon, who is maybe the coolest. I mean, his do not give a F... <laughs> He doesn't even Love blink it. when the owner comes in. He's buck naked. And, I'm yeah. too old to be diving behind loggers. <laughs> one of my, I think one of my favorite scenes is where Dorn brings him the contract and says, what do you think about that? <laughs> not a word. Not a word. Just plop, zip. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, we talk, I tell you, we quoted this movie all the time. We're like, yeah. get in front of the ball, Dorn. Don't give me this old leg. Old. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I got a guy on the other line about some white walls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I love both of these guys. All right. So, do you want to talk about Susan Strandon or we want to talk about Larry Hockett? Well, I don't know who Larry Hockett is, so let's talk right. about him. Larry Hockett is the the pitching coach for the Durham Bulls. Okay. Played by Robert Wool. Okay. Uh, he's the Wait, guy who goes out to the mound. I didn't and, know his last name was Hockett. Okay. We're, so we're talking about the assistant managers now. That's okay, right. Larry. I got it. I got it now. Go ahead. <laughs> so Larry Hockett is played by Robert Wool, who yes. has been in Batman. Uh, Batman. I mean, that's what I know him from. Is he is? Uh, yeah, the reporter. Uh, Opportunity knocks. Yeah. Can I get a grant? Arliss. Arliss. That's right. I was just saying, he's a stand-up comedian, and Ron Shelton hired him because he did the absolute worst audition of all time. <laughs> he said he was completely over the top, but yeah. he had a super high level of energy. Yeah. He thought, you know what, if we can just redirect this guy a little bit. And so uh, he became, in his own words, Robert Will said, he was the yes man. He's, he's the guy when they throw the bats into the shower, and he's like, anybody not in the shower in 10 seconds could find $100. Larry, one Mississippi, <laughs> two Mississippi. <laughs> he was he was the most middle manager guy you could be. He was just there, just like not contributing anything at all, except to be like, yep, yep, okay. Um, right. Okay, uh, and uh, candles make a good gift. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Which solved one problem that was the least important problem out of four. <laughs> <laughs> he Should we talk ad- about that line? Let's talk about that line real quick. Yeah, he ad-libbed that line. So the original scripted line, he was supposed to go out to the mound, and they were supposed to describe all these problems they're having, right? right. Nuke's dad was there, and he was nervous. Right. And his shockers were jammed. Right. right? And Jose's, Jose's got a glove was his cursed. Club. And nobody knew what to get Millie and Jimmy for their wedding gift, right? Right. And so the scripted line was, oh, I thought you said there was a problem. <laughs> okay. So at the, it was at the end of the night, and Ron Shelton, 
he knew that Robert Wool is this creative guy and he knew he'd been kind of chewing on this line all day long and he'd been ready for it. So they had done it four or five or six times. And he's like, all right, whatever you got, last take of the night, go do it. So when he runs out there, he says the infamous line. He's like, well, you know, candlesticks make a great gift and maybe you can find where she's registered and get a place setting. All right, let's get two, right? And <laughs> when they watched dailies, the whole place busted up at that line. <laughs> So in, in his mind, he thought, okay, that was great. That's kind of fun. I got to crack up the, the cast, but he didn't think he'd ever see it again. And then when he watched the movie, there it was. Yeah. And it's one of the great lines in the movie. It's really funny. Right. And then to throw it back over to Major League, the assistant manager on that one is Pepper Leach, played by Andy Romano, who's just good as, I mean, he's just a good compliment, I think, to Lou Brown. Just, I love that scene where they go both stand side by side next to Jake and have Ricky throw it. And they don't move an inch. They look so awesome. When he destroys the pepper sign? Yes, he throws that pitch, it goes over the catcher's head, destroys the pepper sign, and he goes, nice velocity. Sounded like it. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> we just awesome. quote that line all the time, too. Okay, before we move on to the love interests, let's just throw out the fact that there are a lot of similarities to these, to some of the players here that are just side players. So you got two voodoo guys and you got two Christian guys. The voodoo guy for Bull Durham is Jose, who gets the curse. His girlfriend puts the curse on his burst and right. so he a live rooster. Gotta uh, have a live rooster. Right. He's played by Rick Marsham. And then the infamous Pedro Serrano is played by Dennis Haysbert. Oh, my gosh. One of the best characters in all movies ever, but certainly in this in Major League. Okay, so let's talk about Pedro Serrano for just a second. Yeah. For those of you who don't recognize this guy, I mean, he's around a lot. He does all of the uh, Allstate commercials, the Allstate commercials, the guy with the deep voice. He looks completely different. Yes. Without the goatee and the shaved head. Right. He was the president in 24. Have you ever seen uh, 24? Yep. yep. Um, so here's something. Did You know, all of these guys that they had come and play, uh, except for Wesley Snipes, had baseball experience. And uh, I, they, I don't really know what Dennis Haysbert's experience was, but they said that every time he was supposed to hit a homer in the movie, he hit a homer. Right. That's incredible. <laughs> that's awesome like the reaction that you see from everybody in the stands and everybody on the field is a genuine reaction to the fact that the actor just knocked it out of the park <laughs> he was actually based on a real player orlando zapata yes um guy from the 70s known to be just kind of a a, a big power hitting and right superstitious shoulder. and superstitious yes right. and then we have our christian players we have for major league we have eddie harris who is played by Chelsea Ross, who's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in Basic Instinct, and he was also one of the guys in Hoosiers. Yeah, he was one of the dads. Right, and who had the player, the actor David Neerdorf in it, who was the player in Bull Durham, Bobby, the one who gets cut from the team. Oh, that's right. Oh, that is that is cool. I didn't recognize that guy. Yeah, he does well just before he gets cut, but he's the one who's asking Jose to throw some magic on his bat because he hasn't been able to hit all season. But it, uh-huh, his uh-huh. his improvement doesn't come soon enough, and the organization has decided to go a different way. Okay, so Eddie Harris is based on real-life pitcher Gaylord Perry, All right, who was very well-known 
to have all types of illegal substances <laughs> all over the place. So, and then the, the Christian for Bull Durham was Jimmy, always wanting to give people his testimony. <laughs> I and, love Jimmy. Such a sweet yeah. guy. And Ron Shelton talked about how every team he's ever been on, there's always at least one religious guy. And I love that they don't play him off as a... He's not a mockery. Chelsea Ross. Mockery, yeah. Yeah, Chelsea Ross is there to be made fun of for sure. But Jimmy, I mean, people are snickering at him, but he's so genuine and delivers yeah. that part so well that it's not a mockery. You're exactly right. Let's talk about Harris for a second because Harris is the Christian guy, but, uh, you know, he's <laughs> he steals Joe Boo's rum and he does some things that are kind of non-Christian. But Up I love butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that he gets in that holy argument with Serrano when, you know, he's like, well, you know, you might think about taking Jesus Christ as your savior. And he's like, ah, Jesus, I like him very much, but he no help me with the curveball. You trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> that it. is one of the best lines in that movie. And the guy who played Jimmy in Bull Durham also was with Charlie Sheen in the movie Hot Shots. All right, let's, are we ready to talk about Susan Sarandon? Um, no, I'm not ready to talk about her yet. Okay. Let's talk about the announcers first. Okay. Okay, so announcers for Bull Durham is Teddy, who's played by Garland Bunting, who was not in a whole lot of other movies, but he was in a movie called Blaze, which also starred Lolita Davidovich, who is the wife of Ron, Ron Shelton. Shelton. Yeah. He was the director of that movie. His delivery is fine. I... I I love to listen to him just because he's so deadpan, but just saying some of the most hateful things about the team. <laughs> Let's tell it like it is, sports fans. These Durham Bulls are playing like junk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then this movie, Major League, would not be the same movie without Harry Doyle. Right. Absolutely. Bob Uecker. Yes. So Bob Uecker was a pro ball player. And, you know, like many athletes back in the 80s, did Miller Lite commercials. Uh -huh. It's great. Less filling. You remember those? Oh, yeah. Right. So David Ward knew him from those commercials and, and his other great acting experience, Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. he's like, hey, I'd love for him to be the announcer. He had no idea that Bob Uecker had been the announcer for the Milwaukee Brewers for the last 20 years. Yeah, that's really cool. I do remember his Miller Lite commercials. Yes. He would. Uh, he was this crazy fan in the stands, and he'd be in the, the upper row, and he'd be like, he missed the tag, and they'd come <laughs> and get him. He's like, oh, they're going to move me to the front row. <laughs> no, the, the best line that he delivers is the just a bit outside. And that one's improv Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. David Ward was like, just do it like you would do it. Just just call it <laughs> like you would call a regular game. He would he'd find out what was, you know, what the plays were that was going on, and he would call it like it was. And then he also the bit where he takes the whiskey. I mean, he's got a he's got liquor or beer in front of him in every single scene. But then at one point he takes it and dabs it behind his ears like <laughs> <laughs> that's all Bob Euchre. All right, I am now ready to move on to the love interests. Well, let's talk about Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Before okay. we dive into the love interests, let's talk about Wesley Snipes. Okay, so Wesley Snipes was one of the few guys in Major League that did not have baseball experience. Yeah, he looked like an athlete. Kind of. Acted like an athlete. 
He looked a lot more like an athlete in later movies. Like when you get into Blade and Demolition Man and some of those movies, he had obviously, you know, he'd gotten in contact with Charlie Sheen. He'd muscled up a little bit. But in this one, he's just kind of a skinny guy. Well, right. And he's based on real life major league player, Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson, widely accepted as being the best leadoff player of all time and could steal bases like wild. I mean, just absolutely took bases at will. Very, very fast player. So I told you, I'm not really, uh, I'm not a sports guy, but I had an, I had an aunt who lived in Castro Valley, which is just not too far from Oakland. And so I, the only major league baseball games that I've seen have been the Oakland A's and I've seen them a couple of times and it was back in the eighties. And so I had my Ricky Henderson tops cards along with Jose Canseco. Nice. Yeah. Nice. If you'll notice in the movie, you never see Wesley Snipes throw the baseball. Right, because it's terrible. Because he couldn't do it. He (laughs) couldn't do it. Can't throw a baseball. He's an actor. Sorry, he's not a (laughs) not a not a baller. And all of his running scenes are in slow motion, which is the way that he's able to look so fast. Because he's really not that fast either. When I watch it, I can tell he can't hit. I can tell by looking at him, he can't hit. Right. But he looked fast enough. I mean, he looked fast enough to me. So yeah. All right. So Willie Mays Hayes. Let's talk about this real quick. So. Willie Mays, baseball yes. player, right? And he gets yes. in trouble. You know, he does the he does the basket catch like Willie Mays does. He does that, and then nice, nice catch. catch, Hayes. Don't ever do it again, <laughs> right? But the other one, Hayes, is not a baseball player. It took me forever to figure that out. Do you know this? Well, I think he's that's his last name, right? No, he's based on a on a football player whose last name is Hayes, whose first name I can't remember. His name was Bullet. Um, oh, Bullet Bob Hayes. Yes, yeah. Bullet Bob Hayes. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad you knew that. I'm glad Dallas I got Cowboy. the sports guy yeah. on here. Yeah, Bullet <laughs> Bob Hayes. That was the Hayes because he's you know he says hits like Mays, runs like Hayes. I couldn't figure out who the heck Hayes oh, was. Oh yeah, Bob the Bullet Hayes. Bullet Bob Hayes. That's right. He was the Dallas Cowboy, very, very, very fast wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, maybe the fastest man in the world at the time he was playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Right. And we shouldn't leave out Roger Dorn either. Corbin Burnson playing Cor- Roger Dorn. Yes, who I know from L.A. Law. And I actually don't know if he's been in anything else other than this movie in L.A. Law. I mean, I know that he was in the other Major League movies. Major League 2, there you go. Right. And, and Major League 3, I think, which I, I'm i pretty sure that David Ward just is, that doesn't acknowledge as a movie at all. <laughs> but I think he, go, he goes into ownership in one of those. Yeah, so Dorn, that character, he tries to play. He's kind of a lovable prima donna. Yeah. He doesn't want to do any of the extra work. He doesn't want to. He's like, my contract says if I don't have to do any calisthenics <laughs> I don't want to do, I don't have to. Yes. He cares more about his golf game and his, uh, his stock portfolio, but he's still a likable guy. Yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to remember the line when, when Serrano takes his golf club warmer. Hats for bats. Hats for bats. Keeps bat warm. Gracias. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> hey, uh, Pedro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Yeah. We ready? And then hold on, before we get to our love interests, let's talk about our villain, Rachel Phelps, real quick. Because in Bull Durham, we don't have a villain. Like, right. th- there's just not one. It's That's an interesting aspect of the story. You don't have a villain in this story. But in Major League, you've got one, and her name is Rachel Phelps. And she's the show showgirl who's trying to 
make the team the worst team in history so that she can move down to Tampa Bay. As it turns out, the way the script was originally written and they shot it this way was that it was all just a ploy to give them like this movement to rally behind so that they would become a great team and that her actual intention was to make them great. Yeah, I saw this scene. Audiences hated it. Well, I hated it. Oh, yeah. it was terrible. Are you kidding me? She's the villain of the entire movie. And at the very end, she's like, no, I just wanted you guys to win. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is. And, you know, we're, we're looking at it from the way that we've seen the movie. But I think probably what happened is once they had those test audiences go, hey, we didn't like her as a secret good guy. We like her as the villain and we want to keep her as a villain. I think at that point they went back and shot all of those scenes where she's where she's watching from up in the stands and griping and cheering at their losing and that kind of thing. Yep. When she, they had to reshoot the scene where she's like, I hate that effing song for me before this, but she was in secret of my success. She's the one. She was always trying to seduce Michael J. Fox in that movie. Was that the aunt? Yeah. And Vera. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I didn't realize that. That's fantastic. Oh man. I love secret of my success. I can't believe I didn't realize that. I even still thinking about it. I'm like, that's, the same lady? Wow, that's crazy. She's the one chasing Brantley around the pool the whole time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love when uh, the scene where she, they have a little pinup of her in the locker room, and every time they win a game, they remove a piece of her clothing. Of course. The former Vegas showgirl. Yeah, of course you loved it. It was the 80s were pre-teenagers <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Keep on winning. Yeah. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for episode one of Bull Durham versus Major League. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't talk about Susan Sarandon. <laughs> <laughs> she is on the list for today. Cross her off then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We will see you next week. All music images and movie clips are used for the purposes of commentary and education in conjunction with the fair use agreement under the U.S. copyright law.